Welcome to Do We Know Things, a podcast where we examine things we think we know about sex. Content warning. This podcast will include discussions about genitals and various types of sex. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton, professor of psychology and sex educator. Today on Do We Know Things, the importance of lube in your sex life. Do you use lube for sex? It's an important addition to any type of sex. Solo sex, vaginal sex, anal sex, condomed sex, condomless sex. It just makes everything feel better and work better. It's really the MVP of sex. Way back in early 2020, I sat down with Moncton-based pelvic floor physiotherapist Katie Kelly to record a Do We Know Things episode about Kegels. If you want to check it out, it's episode 9 called What's a Kegel Anyway? After we turned off the mics, Katie asked me if I was going to do an episode on lube. Frankly, I hadn't thought much about lube or why I would need an episode about it. People know about lube, don't they? Well, it turns out there was a lot I didn't know. Like that brand name, plain lubes that I would have trusted are actually not made correctly for our bodies and can cause harm. I also didn't know how poorly lubes are regulated and that the World Health Organization has released standard for what makes an acceptable and safe lube. Now, Katie spends her days working with vaginas and other pelvic parts, and she definitely keeps up on all the latest research on, in her field. She knows the importance of lube. So after talking to her back then in 2020, I vowed to do a lube episode. It's just taking me two years to get to it. This episode is all about lube, glorious lube. I'll talk about the importance of lube for pleasure and safety, how to find a good lube, and we'll hear some lube thoughts from Katie. That's coming up on Do We Know Things. I think the biggest misconception about lube is that it isn't needed. Particularly when we talk about vaginal sex, it's often overlooked. The vagina is self-lubricating, and for some people, that's enough lube to have comfortable penis-vagina intercourse, or PVI. But you know what another lube-related misconception is? That it's normal to have vaginal pain during sex. Pain during sex, unless it is intentionally and consensually inflicted, is not okay and should not happen. In several nationally representative American studies, Dr. Debbie Herbenick and her colleagues have shown that approximately 30% of women with vaginas report some genital pain during their last vaginal intercourse. That's a third of women. And that number has been consistent across multiple studies. Interestingly, slightly over 30% of women in those studies also report experiencing difficulty with lubrication. Coincidence? I think not. To be clear, not all sexual pain comes from lack of lubrication, but it can be a major contributing factor. If you're experiencing vaginal pain during sex, please try lube and please also talk to your healthcare professional. You can make an appointment with your doctor or with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Pain is not normal. Okay, so what is lube good for? As I've already mentioned, it's great for solo sex. 
It can be used on a penis, clitoris, or dildo to increase sensation and reduce friction. Uncircumcised penises have foreskin, which is a built-in masturbation aid, but lube can still enhance pleasure. And for circumcised penises, I think it's almost a must. If not a must, then a really welcome bonus. It's also great for hand jobs and fingering with partners for the same reasons it's useful for masturbation. So what about vaginas? As I noted, vaginas do produce their own lubrication. This is through a combination of a process called transudation, where the fluid comes through the vaginal walls, and from the Bartholin's glands that add to the lubrication. The amount of lubrication produced by a vagina can vary by person, by situation, and by day. Some people consistently produce a lot of vaginal lubrication, and some produce consistently a small amount of vaginal lubrication. This can be similar for one person across the lifespan, or it can change with age. Someone might be less lubricated if they aren't that turned on, or haven't had enough fluids to drink, or drank too much alcohol that dehydrated them, or for many other reasons. Even if you don't think you need lube for vaginal sex, it's nice to have some handy for the times that you do need it. It can also just be a welcome bonus to increase pleasure, so why not try it? For penetrative anal sex, lube is an absolute must. The anus does not produce its own lubrication and needs lube to be able to prevent damage and to prevent pain. Do not put things in butts unlubricated. Unlubricated anal sex can cause tears, which then causes pain and irritation and increases the risk of STIs and other infections. Lube is also pretty necessary for anything larger than a finger going inside the vagina or anus. So if you're putting a whole fist in there, please lube that fist up. Lube is also really helpful with condoms, as long as it isn't an oil-based lube, which destroys condoms. One pleasure trick is to put some water-based lube in the tip of a well-fitting condom before putting it on. That extra lubrication can add to the sensation of the person with the penis when they have that lube on the inside. Make sure you don't put so much that the condom slides off. You can also put lube on the outside of the condom to enhance the pleasure of the person on the receiving end. Adding lube to the outside of the condom has also been shown to make them less likely to break, particularly during anal sex, where things are more restrictive and there's more pressure on the condom. Now let's talk about what you need to know to choose a good lube. The first very clear rule of thumb is to not buy lubes that are gimmicky. Nothing with flavor, nothing warming, cooling, or any other descriptor. You want plain lube. That's the most basic step. Gimmicky stuff has additives that should not go in your body. But even plain lubes can have ingredients that aren't great. The most commonly used commercial lubricants are water-based. Water-based lubes can be used with condoms and sex toys, and they're relatively affordable. The World Health Organization released guidelines for commercial lubricants in 2012 and updated them in 2020. I'll link to the latest guidelines in the show notes. For water-based lubes, the guidelines state that the lube should be clear, translucent or white, gels or viscous liquids. They should be all one consistency. Water-based lubes should also be non-staining and should wash out of clothes or bedding with water. 
They also need to not have any other color than white. So they can be clear or white, and they cannot have a taste or smell. Preservatives are necessary for preventing bacterial growth, but some preservatives are better than others, and some people will have more negative reactions to certain preservatives, but this varies by person. So that's really about experimenting to figure out what works for you. A major focus of lube safety is the pH and osmolality of the lubricant. It needs to be suitable for the environment of an anus or vagina, if that's where it's going. Let me explain. pH is on a range from acidic to basic. Something that's highly acidic has a pH of zero, and something basic has a pH of 14. So neutral is a pH of seven. The pH of a healthy vagina is usually around 3.8 to 4.5, and the pH of a rectum is around seven. You can find the pH of specific lubes on dangerouslily.com's lube guide or on badvibes.org. I'll link to both in the show notes. Osmolality is a bit more complicated to explain, but it is important to understand. Osmolality is just the amount of solutes dissolved in a liquid. Said more plainly, if you think about, say, salt water, it's just the concentration of salt in the water. So when applying something to the inside of the body, you want it to be relatively isoosmotic, meaning that it has similar osmolality to the body. This is around 300 milliosmoles per kilogram. If a solution is not isoosmotic, it can be hyperosmotic, meaning it has more solutes than the cells of the vagina or anus, or hypoosmotic, meaning it has less solutes than the cells. Both of these are bad because of osmosis. Now, the term osmosis has been co-opted in daily language to mean transfer of knowledge or information without effort. As in, she barely studied. It's like she absorbed all that info by osmosis. The actual meaning of osmosis is the process of fluids passing through a semi-permeable membrane to balance the solutes and water on both sides of that membrane. Imagine a fish tank with a filter in the middle that only lets water pass through, not salt. If you put slightly salty water on one side of a tank and ocean-level salt water on the other side, the saltier side will end up with more water. It will suck water out of the less salty side uh, to balance the concentration of salt on both sides. And this is happening in your body all the time. If you eat a bunch of salty chips without drinking any liquids, the salt from the chips will draw liquid from your cells, leaving you feeling dehydrated. If you continue in a dehydrated state, your brain and body won't function very well and damage can be caused. If you drink too much water, then you won't have enough salt in the extracellular fluid, which is a problem, and the cells will then draw in too much water, trying to balance the concentration of the ex extracellular fluid. This can lead to swelling, which causes additional problems. Now, imagine a lube going onto a vagina. If the lube is hyperosmotic, it will draw fluid out of the cells of the vaginal walls, and then the layer of cells lining the vagina become more susceptible to damage because they're shriveled and dehydrated. And this has been shown in multiple studies. 
Many lubes available on the market, like Astroglide and KY Jelly, are hyperosmotic and can actually lead to damage to the vaginal or rectal tissues. Again, Dangerous Lily and BadVibes.org are great sources of info about osmolality of lubes, as are the World Health Organization recommendations. The WHO recommends lubes under 1,200 milliosmoles per kilogram, but the closer you can get to isoosmolality, the better. Because the pH of the vagina and the rectum are different, this means that there are lubes that are better suited for each of these activities. Osmolality is basically the same for both the vagina and the rectum. I find it shocking that I didn't know about the issues with pH and osmolality. I just kind of assumed that lubes that were big brand names that were sold in a pharmacy would be of appropriate quality for our bodies. It's extra shocking that the lubes that are probably the worst offenders are the most well-known and most readily available in pharmacies. There is a reason for this, though. Water-based lubes with additives that increase osmolality are longer-lasting, so they're better at lubricating for a longer period of time. However, they're also potentially causing damage. A lube that's more compatible with your body might need to be reapplied more often. An alternative to water-based lubes is silicone lubricants. For these lubes, osmolality and pH are not a factor. Silicone is a bit more expensive, but it can provide longer-lasting lubrication. Silicone lubes can be used with condoms, but not with silicone sex toys. Silicone also stains, but it is just such a good lubricant that it feels like it's worth it. And finally, we have oil-based lubes. The WHO has not included oil-based lubes in their analysis because they're focused on disease and specifically use of condoms to prevent disease. As I mentioned, anything oil-based cannot be used with a condom. There are only a few commercial oil-based lubes, but a lot of people use things like cooking oil or coconut oil. And I remember back in my day, like when I was in high school and stuff, there was a lot of talk about Crisco for anal sex. We just don't know a lot about how these types of lubes work with our bodies. For this episode, I also reached out to Katie Kelly to get her take on the importance of lubes. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Katie is a pelvic floor physiotherapist. She's the co-owner of Reconnect Health Center in Moncton and offers online pelvic floor education through her other business, Motherhood Link, and on Instagram and TikTok, where she can be found at PT Katie Kelly. Here's what she had to say. Thank you for asking me to talk about lubricants. Um, I think that you have known for a long time that I've been wanting you to cover this topic, so I'm very excited about it. I think one of the reasons that from a pelvic floor physiotherapy perspective, I really think that lubricant is of utmost importance is, is kind of twofold. Firstly, I have concerns about the current state of lubricants and whether they follow the WHO recommended guidelines. And one of the things that we'll see is when they don't follow those guidelines, that there could be a risk of having um, more discomfort or will feel drier to some patients. And they might even have little micro fissures. So like little amounts of blood that they could see. Sometimes when they wipe after, there's a tinge of pink on the toilet paper. And then they might feel like they have a urinary tract infection or a bladder infection or a yeast infection. 
Part of that is it's the fissure healing. And part of that is when there's a fissure, you do have a higher risk of getting all sorts of infections. So we want to make sure that someone's using a lubricant that really is not irritating the vaginal mucosal membrane. So I think that's important. Secondly, when someone has pain, so I treat a lot of patients that have things like vaginismus or vestibulodynia, but they have pain with penetration. I always say that the vagina is very smart. So if it feels pain, it's going to kegel, like the muscles around the pelvic in the pelvic floor will kegel, and that can make the vaginal opening smaller. And then we try to engage in penetration again, and we're now anticipating this pain experience that we had the previous attempt, and we can start from a place of being in a closed position and furthering the cycle of it being more painful when you attempt. And I see patients that will go through that cycle over and over and over again before seeking help. So sometimes a lubricant can help mitigate that, or like, you know, that initial friction that they feel and allow for a less painful insertion. And then on top of that, I think that silicone lubricants are also important to be discussed. Almost always when I have a patient who's having pain with penetration, I recommend a silicone-based lubricant. Firstly, because I can't necessarily trust the water-based lubricant. But secondly, once you've already gotten into a pain cycle, you sometimes really do need a little bit of help with that lubrication. And silicone is a longer lasting product. I feel like patients don't need to reapply mid-event. And it serves as a lubrication in itself, but it also serves as a way to build confidence that penetration might not be painful. And it's one of those ways that we can get someone out of the pain cycle. So for the water-based brands, I find that yes, good, clean love and Sliquid organics tend to be ones that really strive to produce high quality products. And then when it comes to silicone, because silicone doesn't really have a pH, any sort of silicone lubricant tends to be better than a poorly made water-based lubricant. We use um, the Sliquid brand as well. So Sliquid Silver is one that we recommend. And um, one that you can find a little bit more easily in a local pharmacy would be Astroglide X. So not the water-based Astroglide, it has to have X after it, but that would be another option too. Generally, we find though that most of the intimacy boutiques, if you will, have really high quality products and the staff tend to know what they're talking about. So I'll often refer people um, off to them. I highly recommend going into a sex shop to ask questions, but you can also order online from many reputable feminist sex toy shops. There are also other places you can order on the internet too. Just make sure you're getting specifically what you're looking for. I also asked Katie about various household oils that are commonly used as lubricants. So when it comes to things like olive oils, coconut oils, I feel like every year there's a new oil that comes out um, to be used as a lubricant. From a pelvic floor physiotherapist perspective, I have to be really cautious with my recommendations for those because they haven't been studied for internal vaginal use to the same extent that a lubricant might have been studied. I do know that there are naturopathic doctors, there are medical doctors, there are gynecologists that might talk to this point a little bit more. I tell people to approach them with caution. So firstly, because we do know that they might not be condom safe. So that's, I think, a big thing to keep into consideration. And secondly, it's clinically speaking, because the research isn't quite there yet, we do see this subgroup of patients that do really well with something like that. But we also see this subgroup of patients that it almost seems like they have a difficult time clearing the substance from the vaginal canal, and it might make them more prone to yeast infections or bacterial infections vaginally. 
So I feel like a lot of people kind of try what they want to try, but if you start to notice that you're getting repeat infections or you're reacting to an oil-based product, then I think it would be prudent to maybe go with a product that's actually designed and tested for vaginal use. So I would say start with the tested lubes, but if they aren't working for you or if you're having reactions and if you aren't using condoms, you can try oils. I hope that both Katie and I have convinced you of the gloriousness of lube. And I hope if you're experiencing pain during sex, you'll experiment with using lube. And please make sure to check out the resources listed in the show notes when going out to purchase your next lube. If you're a person with a vagina and have noticed a change in the amount of lubrication you're experiencing, it may be because of a hormonal shift like pregnancy or perimenopause, or it could indicate that something else is going on. I encourage you to contact a healthcare professional to get it checked out. It could be biological, or it could just be life. If your lubrication amount changes from day to day, it could be lifestyle factors like hydration and stress, or it could be that some of the sex you're having is fully turning you on and some isn't. Either way, this is an opportunity to explore what works for your body, what you need, and to see if any additional lube can help. I wish you all some happy, slippery sex. That's all for this episode. If you have any feedback or peer review of this episode, I'm always excited to hear from you. You can send me a voice memo recorded on your phone or just a written email to doweknowthings at gmail.com. You can find a script for this episode with references and extra info on the website at doweknowthings.com. All music and sounds in this episode by Jeremy Dahl. Check him out at palebluedot.ca. Script assistance by Matt Tunnicliffe. I'm Lisa Don Hamilton. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Do We Know Things, and you can email me at doweknowthings at gmail.com. Do We Know Things is released every second Monday, and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, I would love it if you could subscribe and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time on Do We Know Things.